Hey everyone, welcome back to Highly Unlikely with Josh and Janae. And we have our dear friend, Alicia Weston with us. And she's been on a podcast before, one or two. One Lily initiative. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fun to have you back. And this is a highly unlikely question and response. Could be question and answer, but there's maybe not only one answer for every question. (laughs) Question and response. Partial holiday edition. Because it's going to be, it's around the holidays now. Recording this, when it's going to come out. So we'll kind of dive into that a little bit. But um, we are not going to jump into a question from the bowl because we have a lot of questions from you guys to get mm-hmm. through today. And why we brought Alicia on to this is, A, she's a pastor, has so much wisdom, but also carries master, master of counsel- yeah. in counseling. Yep. Mm-hmm. And is a counselor. And a lot of the questions you guys had written in, I was like, we need a counselor mm-hmm. <laughs> present. <laughs> yes, the Holy Spirit ultimately but a, a tangible counselor with um, not tangible, like a counselor with education and things like that. Yeah. So, um, but we, we were going to just do an episode, just kind of talking through specific stuff with the holiday season. Cause we know this season is so, so full of joy for so many people. It's full of stress for so many people. It's full of complexities for a lot of people and not one person has all the right answers. And we're definitely not going to try to be that for anyone. Mm-hmm. We all have even our own situations that we yeah. navigate through the holidays. There's grief, there's different family dynamics, there is budgets, all those things. Um, I know, and I'm wondering if a lot of the questions written in are because of the holidays or around that. But uh, yeah, so we're just going to dive in. But one thing that a lot of questions are around boundaries or maybe family dynamics and things like that. And we've talked about that. We're passionate about it. I'm very passionate about it more because even right now it's the holiday season and you know that 50% of kids are navigating blended families Mm -hmm. and the pressure is usually on the kids to make it work. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel that as a person that actually walks through that and it's not in every other year for most of them if there's, they married into a family and then both their parents are maybe remarried. Mm -hmm. It's a every three years kind of a rotation or so if that's you, I feel your pain, man. It's (laughs) complex. It's hard to navigate your own family, um, and then your extended family as well. But I saw one thing online, and it's the one thing I'll start off, and then we'll kind of get into the first question, which is deep. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to go to the first question just to prep you two. I'm giving you guys time, you deep thinkers. Time to think deep Mm. about the first question. (laughs) Um, But I saw it online, and I thought it was beautiful. I was was laughing to myself because you said Alicia has a master in counseling. And I was like, well, I do too, but my master in counseling is from sitting and being counseled. <laughs> and I'm a master from, in being counseled. Yeah, I'm a master in being counseled. You're a, you have a master in doing the counseling. Oh my goodness. Hey, we've it. all been counseled first. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, but I saw this online and it was a woman, it was like a video of a woman. And she said, hey, this year, let's make it easy for our kids to say this holiday season, let's make it easy for our kids to say yes and easy for them to say no. And I was like, what is she talking about? And she gave like a script of like a text you could send out to your kids. Like, let's make it easy for them to say yes and join in with our plans. And let's make it easy for them to say, no, we aren't able to make it this year. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was like the most beautifully curated thing. Um, And she just said, uh, it would sound like this. Hey, I just wanted to let you know that our plans for the holiday is this. We're going to do a meal on like this day at this time and your family is more than welcome to join. But if you have other plans, we completely understand and support what is best for you and your family. Love you. Yeah. I was like, 
I love when people create content like that because you're like, (laughs) I could not have thought of that. Yeah. But so yes, into the first question. Let me give give a few thoughts quick on boundaries. Number one, we loved Lisa Turker's book on boundaries. What's Mm -hmm. it called? Good boundaries and goodbyes. Good boundaries and goodbyes. Dr. Henry Cloud, all his stuff. Has life experience plus her counselor speaks into it. So it's it's wisdom. Yeah. Um, Super helpful resource. We also did a fantastic podcast, not because we're fantastic, but our guest was at the end of November with Galen Woodward, specifically about navigating parenting and grandparenting and the holidays. Um, This is a thing in North Dakota because the family of origin is so strong or people were raised on family farms and there's a loyalty to family. And even when Mm -hmm. people move out and grow up, um, I loved uh, how Mark Driscoll talks about it where uh, he says, um, when a husband and wife get married, the wife leaves, or you leave your father and mother, and you mm-hmm. cleave to your spouse. And we're very bad at that. And we're very bad at acknowledging like that a new family mm-hmm. has started, yeah. and what was before is now- Is not. Is not. And how there has to be uh, a grief, but also an understanding that that is the better way. You know, but that love doesn't have to end just because that. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I, I think that's just a little bit of context for some of the things that we're going to say. So let's yes, let's jump into the first question. There's a lot of questions on just relationships and things like that. So, okay, let's first just acknowledge question. like sixty percent of the questions were around this topic. Yes, so we're probably going to spend more time on that. Yeah, but we might uh, go back and forth and kind of give a little break. But first question just said in laws and hard relationships with unbelieving family members. So, go. (laughs) (laughs) This is always fun. I buffered you guys. (laughs) You talk from one angle. That's so true. It might've been a question and I might've just changed it into a topic, but. (laughs) No, it's good. That's true. Not a question, it's it's a statement. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, my my favorite go-to, and we've yeah. talked about this before, is quoting Lisa Turkers in talking about just just boundaries with people in general, how it is a conversation about who you give access to, yeah, whether that person is responsible with that access, and what are the consequences. So Level of access to your life, heart, mind, everything should be treated with the same level of responsibility as the level of access. Right. And so it, this is established first and foremost in our relationship with Christ, that we've been given full access to the Father, Mm. that we are to be responsible and to like live holy lives and to serve Him and to walk in the way of Jesus. And when we don't, I was just explaining this to one of my kids, like, yeah, you're forgiven, but there's still a consequence, you know, for the decision. And there's still a consequence. Like it's, you're forgiven and there is a consequence for your actions. That just happens. Yeah. And so I think there's just that immediate, when you give somebody access to your life, they have to be responsible with that access. And if they're not responsible with that access, then there are consequences. And that's not like out of anger, out of resentment, but like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to create a boundary. I'm going to help you be responsible with that access or I'm going to limit that access. Same for each one of us. Like I think of like in our friendship, like Alicia and I, like I need to, with the access I have to her, like I need to know that I need to be responsible with that. And I need mm-hmm. with care, you know, I'm not gonna, the stuff she entrusts me, I'm not going to just go blab to someone else. Like, I mean, there's just things like we have to hold ourselves to that. And not just say, I have boundaries with other people too, but yeah. Um, right. Yeah. 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 Oh man. We can, we can dig right in. We mm-hmm. can. 
Um, talking about specifically, I think, with unbelieving family members, obviously people live lives out of who they are. Your values should align with your actions. And if mm-hmm. they don't, that that you need to look inward, you know, a little bit um, in that. So if you have completely different values and unbelieving family members are living out of a set of values that aren't Christ-like, um, how you set boundaries with those people uh, is really important. I think you love people first. We're first called to love people and to love them very, very well. And you can love people without allowing them um, intimate uh, information about your life or proximity, or you can love people like Christ died even, right? To come, came to the earth, died for all of us out of love, but he wasn't in an intimate relationship with every single person that walked the earth. He also didn't have... Um, you know, exactly the same thing we're talking about, access uh, with, with in every single relationship that he had. Um, he had a standard. He still had values, still had relationships that he chose uh, to live with um, certain, certain mm-hmm. things. So I'm just trying to, like, explain that when you have a relationship with non-believing family members, you have to love them first primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that looks— is really different. I think if they're going to make various choices, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, I think your definition of love too matters because some people yeah. love is you'll do whatever I would like. Like yeah. your action, like right. if we disagree, that's not loving. Or if we, yeah, things right. like that. Right, right. Yeah, and you— Just hard. Yes, what does love look like to you and how do you express that? Mm-hmm. And um, to be practical, because I think people want— practical information. You know, the questions that are going to come up around this topic is, what do I do if my son and his girlfriend want to come stay in the same room at Christmas? Or what do I do if my family members have, uh, I have grandchildren that were born out of wedlock. What does that look like? And how do I navigate that um, and the choices that they make? Or uh, what do I do? And same yeah. same as like my children. What if you have grandparents that mm-hmm. make different choices and how do you explain that? I think you to love them first is to have a conversation with them privately. Mm-hmm. It is not to um, pull them in to a really yucky uh, family situation where they feel isolated and we're all going to sit down and we're going to attack your character mm-hmm. um, because people make choices out of an overflow of who they are, and they mm-hmm. obviously believe something about themselves. They do people do things for a reason. Mm-hmm. So to to try to discover the reason why they're making the choices that they make is going to be so much more valuable and give you so much more insight into their life mm-hmm. and who they are and why they're doing that. Um, because a lot of times it's out of their own sadness or searching or yeah. um, identity. And so valuing, okay, I love this person, so I'm going to go take them out for coffee. I'm going to have a conversation face-to-face or over FaceTime if possible if they're far away. Uh, Just explaining, hey, some of the things that we value in our family are A, B, C, and D. I know that doesn't completely align with some of the things that you value. We love you. We want to accept you and have you here. You are accepted here, um, but under these contexts and under these conditions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if, if that's agreeable with you, we want to have you. We want to 
you know, walk in this yeah. with you. Um, but just so you know that that's what that looks like for us. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And and even just talking through, you know, like on a deeper level, doesn't yeah. have to do with holidays or family gatherings, but just asking them questions about their decisions. Mm-hmm. Right. Where is that? You know, oh, okay, you made curious. that decision. Where did that come from? You know, yep. how did you get to that place? Um Let's talk about that a little bit more. Unpack that for me. Explain mm-hmm. it to me. Mm-hmm. And coming in with a heart to listen. I was just thinking about biblically, quick to listen, mm-hmm. slow to speak, slow to becoming. Which, which I think <laughs> comes back to what you said at the beginning, which is how do you love people? What is love? Yeah. And it's to lay down your life for your friend. Right. Like, And so it's easier to just write somebody off or not have the hard conversation. Yeah than it is sometimes to be intentional Mm -hmm. and to talk about it and to care about where they're coming from. That's like the laying down your life. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe here's the practical part part of, okay, I've tried to talk to them. Yeah. There is usually a big emotional explosion. There's usually accusations brought back at Mm -hmm. me that I'm, maybe they say you're a Bible thumper. Maybe. I think people just need, like, I'm always like, when the rubber meets the road, what actually maybe could happen? Like, Mm -hmm. that sounds great. That sounds so peaceful. That conversation well, I think I don't think it is permission to be a doormat or like, right. no, you have to just let me do what I want to do and be what I want to be. And My you have truth, to accept yeah. me because that's, that's me giving you access, but you're not being responsible with what's required on my side of the relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? And so then or that's even just the like our convictions right. and coming to an acknowledgement, we do have different value systems and yeah. I can still love you. Yeah. If we base our values or maybe morals off of yeah. different things and I'm, and when we say unbelieving family, we didn't clarify that. And we're saying yes. unbelieving in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And But I would even go farther to say submitted believers where your life and submitted fruit of your life is to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because even the demons believe in Jesus and right. know of him. Yeah, yeah. But there's you can believe and not submit. Right. And I that's for me, it is back and forth, which is, is really hard because I think in Midwestern culture— most, if not everyone, will select Christian mm-hmm. on a form. Yeah, and then, mm-hmm. But yet the biblical mandates, principles, Jesus's like words yeah, are not right. present in our lives. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. I think, to me, when, I'll, when I just try to, that's really hard. And, and I'm not saying to be the judge, only God is the judge. It is more of a, when you're bridging this conversation, it's not like, hey, you're an unbeliever. And it's like, well, I'm a Christian. It's like, well, our values and convictions Yes, you're saying Christian is in the same base as I am, but what we are deriving from scripture is very different. And the Jesus maybe that you're representing seems very different than the one that I see in scripture, which can be, for me, I've just seen very hard. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because if these are, or maybe they are just people that are truly like, I do not believe in Jesus. And then you just know, oh, we're just, we're actually totally different pages, totally different people. Yeah. Spiritually, it's not even comparable. Mm -hmm. And so you have to approach it as, well, then that person is lost, not in an, oh, woe is me. But I mean, that, that is a, that should break your heart, but you just approach it. You approach it differently then. I don't know. Yeah. That was just my question. Like, yeah, well, what if? That sounds great. But like, what about when they? I Okay, you guys, I don't do sports, but I have a sports metaphor. All right. <laughs> Beautiful. Let's do it. <laughs> so I think like you can cheer for the Vikings and I can cheer for the Packers and we can be passionate and fired up and still get along. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just an example of you can have values, 
uh, in one thing and I can have values in another thing. Um, but we can still sit down and watch a game together. You know, mm-hmm. we can still mm-hmm. sit down, have a meal together and be respectful. But you can't do boundaries if you can't do communication and respect. Respect that. Yeah, that's the kicker. And I think a lot of times we're so trained in our society to look at what we have different from each other right. or how we're different rather than what's the 20% we have in common and can we build a relationship on that? One of my favorite podcasts is two guys who come from totally different spectrums of the world and they come together and talk about the same topic, which they disagree on. And yeah. yet they have this great relationship and friendship based on other parts of their lives and right. they can be civil and they can talk about it and because yeah, there's respect. Right, you know? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A mutual I, respect. Yes. It's a mm-hmm. mutual respect. Yes. And family is different because family comes with vulnerability, mm-hmm. hurt, history. History, yeah. Um, and if there family is, culture. if yeah. you're walking into situations where uh, none of that has been unpacked, yeah. you know, you've never walked through a healing process with your broken child or your, you know— the relationship that was broken, there was no repair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you can rupture, but you have to repair. So if there was no repair, people are going to come into these dynamics with the hurt of the rupture from 10, 15, mm-hmm. 20, 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so recognizing that all of that history is there and how do you overcome that mm-hmm. and communicate through it, um, apologize even for your part in it uh, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, choose love. and Yeah. 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 Okay. So I want to push both of you on this topic a little bit because I know you guys have practical advice of when it does come to that point. Mm. And somebody asked a question about that kind of expands this topic of how to how do family and boundaries line up biblically? Yeah. Like how do you how do you set boundaries in a small family group? And so what what happens when you come to that place of like there's either not mutual respect or there's so much history and hurt mm-hmm. or the same behavior gets repeated, mm-hmm. then how do you actually go to the place of consequence or Mm. the better word being how do you do boundaries when it's not healthy or Mm -hmm. it's not mutual yeah I mean yeah how do they line up biblically Mm -hmm. again we talked about Lisa Turker's book I think she draws such beautiful biblical examples um, of boundaries I think of the first one we see is in the garden it was God saying this is the boundary Adam and Eve crossed it did God say, well, just try again. Just do better. Mm, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm going to extend it now. Okay, now it's that tree. You screwed up this tree, but now it's that tree. He didn't do that. He said, you you broke the boundary. And there was massive consequence for all of us. Right. <laughs> you know, but there yeah. was but an we're action. we're family, but we're blood. But, but I'm your you creation. Know. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I, that just was, a. if you look at scripture differently through that lens, you see God Mm. is the God of boundaries and out Mm -hmm. of his loving kindness upholds repercussions for crossing of those boundaries for our preservation, not for our destruction. Right. Um, And that then should also be the same goal when we set up boundaries. And that I think was hard for me to read a boundary is not a boundary unless there is, the word is consequence, but kind of a repercussion unless when it's crossed. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you, I don't know what you were going to talk into if it was like that or something different. No, I, you're making me think of, there's so many things that there's so many boundaries that we accept in culture and employee 
and an employer, hey, you don't show up to work, you're not you're not going to work here anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that's an acceptable boundary in our culture. Yeah. But it's there's there's things that we've taken when relationship is at stake that we've chosen to oh no, no we're in relationship. So now because our relationship is different, yeah. um, our boundaries aren't as accepted, uh, mm-hmm. which is hard because either regardless of boundaries a boundary. But I was going to say um, in Romans, it says, I love this verse when it comes to boundaries because it says, if it is possible, yes, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. That's two things. What's possible mm-hmm. and what depends on you, right? Mm-hmm. We're called to have what? Self-control, not others' control. So what right. am I in control of? and uh, actual responsible for, and mm. what's actually possible. Because some mm. people, it's not even possible um, to mend that. It's not even mm-hmm. possible. Like I can, I've extended a hand, love, an olive branch, an opportunity to clear the air, talk through history multiple times, but there's not ever been an equal, you know, conversation or they've not come to the mm-hmm. table in the same way. That it's just not possible mm-hmm. with those relationships. Yeah. Even if you've done what's dependent on you. Yeah. I mean, Jesus and Peter were bros, right? Yeah. And deep in their relationship, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. just yeah. like there was, there was a, still a, a you know, yes. like a boundary and a willingness to. Mm-hmm. I One of the things that I read that I thought was so interesting in checking your boundaries is um, – when you think if somebody asks you for help last minute, what what is your response? And it kind of your answer to that question, that relationship helps you determine what boundaries you have. Hmm. And there's three different categories of boundaries. There's <laughs> if you'd feel guilty saying no, you obviously have porous boundaries. Hmm. Yeah. In that relationship, if um, you don't care what other people think, you're just not going to do it. You Maybe don't care if you say no, you wouldn't feel a thing. Yeah, you wouldn't feel a thing. Maybe you're rigid. In your boundaries, right. or if you say, "I would not feel guilty for saying no," I'm going to say no. Then maybe you have a healthy boundary. And I was actually thinking, and I've like forgot about this, but there was a time with you and Stephen where um, I like texted you guys and was going to drop something off at your house, or I swung by and knocked on your door and like knew you were home, but nobody answered. <laughs> and I remember being like. Walking away being like, oh, they didn't answer. But then thinking, but they don't have to. Like, <laughs> like and they don't have to feel guilty. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Just, and I mean, knowing you I guys. I have no memory like, of that. <laughs> well, knowing you, you didn't have your phone on you because you have a boundary with that too. But yeah. <laughs> but I just thought there, there's a healthy, you can feel all sorts of different ways about mm-hmm. that. But it's like, yeah. you know, there's a healthy amount of like, that's a, that's a good boundary and that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. and so even looking at your relationships and saying, how would I respond to that question hmm. from my parents or from my right. sibling or from my neighbor? And it kind of helps you understand the and boundary I think structure. If you do yeah, feel guilt, good. where does that guilt come from? Mm-hmm. Right. Is it because I'm putting that on myself and I've just, I've gotten into something of people pleasing where mm-hmm. I feel guilt? Or is it actually being projected? And is there a comment of, well, mm-hmm. you call someone and it's, oh, yeah, I haven't heard from you in a while. I mean, I mean, what's yeah. the responses? What's the, that's guilt right. facilitating, you know, comments are being put on you. And, but you got to, I think, decipher that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I could go on a whole rabbit trail with that. Mm-hmm. Well, you can. I was just thinking about how as Christians sometimes too, we get an extra guilt complex, which actually is a God complex. 
mm-hmm. in that um, we feel this need to rescue people mm-hmm. and it feeds our desire to be needed. And we'll use scripture to, uh, you know, justify that right. behavior in that we're supposed to lay down our lives and take off our cloak and all these things mm-hmm. and totally throw boundaries out of the picture. But you know that you have um, lived out of that type of mentality and behavior when you start to have bitterness or mm-hmm. you start to get really frustrated just with people. There's a lack of genuine love for people. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, people always need something or I'm always pouring out but never getting poured into. Mm-hmm. Um, that means you've been kind of living out of this superior God complex, I can rescue, um, which no one ever means to or intentionally mm-hmm. live mm-hmm. out of. Uh, but that comes totally in alignment with the whole oh, my boundaries are really porous and then I have a guilt um, about me when I say no. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's a misuse of that Mm -hmm. um, and realizing like, oh, no, if if I can't do this right now, uh, someone else will. Or I love too when we we actually remove responsibility off of someone else. How do you say this in a different way without making sound too complex? Um, Like if... Janae asked me to do something last minute, and I said, you know, actually, I don't have the time to do that today. I can do it maybe tomorrow, but I won't be able to do it today. In that moment, she might get really frustrated. What? You can't do that? Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? Um, Bend over for me. Bend over backwards for me, you know? And But what I am telling her in that moment is you're capable of doing it on your Mm -hmm. own, or you're Mm -hmm. capable of finding a solution. If I continually pick up things that need doing, right, that subconsciously tells Mm -hmm. the other person that I don't see you as capable, that I always need to step in and help Mm. you and parent you. Does that Mm. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the very practical answer to this question, too, is like for a lot of people, I think, like how to have boundaries is N-O period. Yeah, no no period can be a sentence. Just no Period. I don't have to justify it. Yeah, if yeah. you feel, if yeah. you have to say no, that there has to be a really, really good reason. And if you don't have a good reason that you can't say no. Or you're going to take all this fire. Yeah, that's that's really hard. That's yeah. a bit of a maybe yeah. warning flag. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Galatians 6. Uh, it's a paradox. Galatians 6, 2 and 5 is this paradox because it says carries each other's burdens. Oh, it's verses two and five. The way you wrote it, I was like, what verses? No, it's because this is the tension. In verse two, it says, carry each other's burdens. And then in verse five, it says, each one should carry their own load. So the fullness, verse two, fullness, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, Mm. you will fulfill the law of Christ. Mm. Verse five, for each one should carry their own load. And I I do remember reading that recently and was like, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Because if you only read the first part, you can leverage that. If you only use the, the, the two yeah. sentences later, yeah. you can leverage that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that with Christ, like his yoke is easy and yeah. his burden is light. And it's that freedom. is the, like when we're living in that, like to help carry one another's burdens, like ultimately, hopefully it's it's Christ's burden, like through us, but mm-hmm. like we're not actually taking upon that burden like that. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But to carry their own load. Carry their own backpack. But that's freedom in relationship of like, I'm going to help you when I can, but 
But if I can't, I'm going to say no. And I know that you can handle it or somebody else will step in. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. that's freedom. That's not being caught in mm-hmm. other words that we talk about, like triangulation or enmeshment yeah, or, right. or guilt complex and right. doing it out of obligation. Yeah. You know? I think boundaries is such a trigger word. Or it's buzzword, not trigger word, buzzword. Mm-hmm. But really, I think we've used this word boundaries to really talk about just like spiritual maturity in mm-hmm. a way, which is what Paul writes about so much is like the fullness of reaching the fullness of spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. And we're putting the word boundary on it. And But a lot of this is growing in spiritual maturity and respect and love for one another yeah. and things like that. And being able to define yourself. Mm-hmm. Because a boundary really just defines yourself, what you are willing or not willing. I will never forget a family member who I love dearly so much. And if they're listening, they'll laugh at this a little bit. But one time I was on the phone and they were on speakerphone and they cussed. And I said, I love you so much. But if you cuss one more time, you are not going to get to talk to my kids Mm -hmm. because my kids were listening. And I, and I just said, and we have that relationship though. And the person was like, oh man, I'm so sorry. (laughs) You know, and it's been good. That was like two or three years Mm -hmm. ago, you know? So, but yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking, don't take this conversation too far and be like, oh, I get to have rigid boundaries with everybody. Because I think of like Carlos Whitaker, who's somebody we love to follow on social media, and he just moved his dad like across the country or from another state to be his neighbor to help take care of him. Really? And the point is not like, he didn't do it because he had to or he was guilted into. He gets the privilege of being a caretaker to his father and there Mm -hmm. was freedom in the relationship where he felt called to step into that. And so you might find yourself in deep relationship or somebody dependent on you, mm-hmm. but it should be out of freedom and not out of obligation. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, so I think you could take this conversation almost too far of like, mm-hmm. okay, I got to live free of everyone. Yeah. But no, we're still called to be like the body and to take care of one another. And, yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. Carry each other's burdens. Well, there's a huge difference between the woman with the issue of blood reaching for Jesus's garment that he stopped for her Mm -hmm. because she was in dire straits. You know, like it wasn't of her own making. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a consequence of, Mm -hmm. as far as we know, you know, um, that he stopped for her as opposed to the people like the Pharisees who are asking him to do things for him Mm -hmm. um, that are consequences of their own decisions or their own thinking. It's so Mm -hmm. So different. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk yeah. about two things in this. This is turning going to probably be a bit just, just a boundaries episode. And we'll get to the other questions at a different, <laughs> a different point. <laughs> if you wrote in a different question, we will get to them in probably a different episode. Yeah. Okay. The more people have come in one-on-ones, different meetings or asking about this, like, Hey, I'm wrestling. <clears throat> Usually it's with family. Sometimes it's with friend groups. Like, mm-hmm. I'm wrestling with boundaries here, or maybe like people are overextending, whether it's through the phone, whether it's in person, different things. Usually these are like two terms. I think in Midwestern, I can only speak for North Dakotan culture that I don't know about you as a counselor, but I just, as the more I've learned about them, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I feel like this is so culturally appropriate Mm -hmm. in North Dakota family Mm -hmm. culture. And the terms I think you need to look up and know and maybe research a little bit Mm -hmm. is enmeshment. Mm -hmm and triangulation in mm-hmm. re- the context of relationship. As a counselor, Alicia, do you agree with that? You can rebuke me if I'm far off on I that. I think it is cultural regardless of where you are. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I, it's this interesting. It's a human condition. Because we've had friends move to the state <clears throat> from mm-hmm. another state and said, mm-hmm. it's really, really hard to make friends because your family units are 
Mm-hmm. Like people are with their family mm-hmm. and it's like this. Mm-hmm. And that was very interesting to hear. Yeah. Of that it wasn't that way where they've lived before in like two or three other states or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other states. And so I, I didn't know. Our family cultures are like that, but you would, I would probably argue too, like, um, you know, South American culture is very mm-hmm. much like that and their families are are a lot like that as yeah. well. Um, you know, any African countries are very family oriented as well. Right. Um, but relationships in general yeah. all have no matter worldwide like enmeshment and triangulation it can be in a family system or it can be outside in a friend system mm-hmm. or yeah. things like that too so any relationship is going to have so if you identify like that. that enmeshment is present in your family it could help you figure out and identify why the concept of boundaries is really hard for you to wrap your mind around. Yeah, maybe define it. Yeah, I'm gonna, so, I have so, this, yeah, this, I love this description. Out. Yeah. And I, I Googled it because there's other people that have better resources. And this is from, I don't know, I think a counselor. Um, the enmeshed family system looks like family relationships characterized by weak boundaries, lack of emotional separation, and intrusive demands for support or attention that prevent family members from feel, from developing a strong and independent sense of self. Mm-hmm. Um, another term is written, enmeshment is an extreme form of closeness between individuals. This commonly happens with families, like between a parent and a child, but enmeshment can happen in any social or romantic relationship. It involves low levels of autonomy or independence and mm-hmm. high levels of inappropriate intimacy. Is that... Fair, Alicia? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I I think an easy way to explain it is like parent-child relationships. Like you can look at a parent and a child. A child is dependent on their parent for Mm -hmm. them to feed them, for them to, you know, get them clothing, to bathe them. And so you can have um, but that is an appropriate level of enmesh- enmeshment when a child is small. Mm-hmm. If that never goes away uh, and emotionally where someone in the relationship is constantly, um, you know, needing the other person to provide in certain ways in order to feel provided for or cared for, then you're definitely in some sort of enmeshment in your relationship and mm-hmm. or if you feel like you constantly needed to need to provide for the other person mm-hmm. like if every morning I was my husband's alarm and I told him he had to get up every morning and get ready you know it's time to get up it's like if I do that over and over and over and over again and never just let him learn oh mm-hmm. you just you sleep in you're not up in time sorry, bro. You know, it's like you're, yeah. you're on your own. Like that's me mm-hmm. enabling him to be a child in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And so anytime that you're parenting another person, um, there's enmeshment or anytime that someone is parenting you and you're behaving childlike, uh, there's enmeshment. I mm-hmm. look at it as like, if there's an area of your life where you're like, I'm 37 but in this relationship, in this area of that relationship, mm-hmm. I'm functioning like my 12-year-old self. Yeah, yeah. You know, or they relate to me like my 12-year-old self. Yeah. Oh, my word. Yeah. Then yes. I realize like, oh, there's a there's an enmeshment in that area, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or when I hear that from people. So even, I mean, it can be things from like, you have a family member that you have to call every day. And if you didn't call, then there's emotional response, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or I'm just trying to think of like practical examples. There's strong… Um, 
usually strong sense of family loyalty, right? Like, but it's blood. It. I feel like I've read that somewhere, but maybe not. Yeah. It, um, oh gosh, loyalty. That's that's. It's your de- also the same thing. It's your definition of loyalty. Like, what mm-hmm. does that mean? Because you can be loyal um, mm-hmm. to your family and honor them and not speaking poorly about them and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's when, it's when the choices that you make are dictated by the potential behavior of someone else in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the problem. This is what I was looking for, practical examples. And this is from an art, like a counselor yeah. article. Here are some examples of enmeshment. I think that helps people like grasp yes, onto like- absolutely. When a yep. mother- who calls her son's ex-girlfriend to ask why she broke up with him. Mm-hmm. Yes. A person who cannot make simple life decisions without consulting her parents first. Yep. We're speaking adults here. Yep. Um, yep. A family member who takes it personally when someone else in the family moves away. A parent who relies on her child for support through her divorce. That is probably a bit of triangulation as well, mm-hmm. possibly. Yeah. Um, a person who has no understanding of activities he enjoys and takes on the interests of his friends. Mm-hmm. That's like a not a strong sense of self, correct? Right. Yep. So those I think examples help. Yeah, and I think intrusive demands, as you read earlier, is like a demand for information. You know, intrusive demands Which for information. Which would make sense why you can't say or, no without a very good reason, because that's the information that is needed. Like, yeah, you have to have a really good, very extensive so excuse. Why do people become enmeshed? <laughs> why does? Why do we? Why do we do this? We got, it's, what time do you have to leave? It's 2.46. I have to leave at 2.52. Okay. <laughs> Milk every minute. And the rest of the time is given to Alicia. You know, we got school pickup. We all got young kids. So. I know. <laughs> uh, um, why do we do this? Or why do we get triangulated? Like, where does this come from? Well, we haven't talked about, yeah. Why, we need this, to why does this it? happen? Yeah. Yeah. Well, even. Because there might be people feeling badly thinking. Yeah. That is me. No, I think, well, as kids, we all grow up needing someone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you can never mature out of that, mm-hmm. you know? And so if you think about it, you're, it's easy to be a child, to be cared for, to be, you know, and if you grow up in that relationship that that's been the way that you've always done things, it's hard to realize that there's a different way to do things. I think the hardest- Yeah. Is that a lot of maybe family, like- it's like just all your family's been yeah. unknown and it's hard to break out of a pattern where you're like, oh, I didn't know. Absolutely. You you don't, you wouldn't know until you are either in pursuit of a marital relationship and realize there's a whole nother person with a whole different set of family dynamics. Like, oh, wow. Or you start to do counseling and realize, why am I so frustrated by this? Or why do mm-hmm. I have, why do I feel guilty about these things? Or why do I have this narrative? Um, or why do I struggle with authority? Uh, all these different things. And yeah. then you start digging a little bit deeper. Um, but you shouldn't feel guilty because we're all a product, right, of the original sin. There's no one's going to do anything perfectly. We're mm-hmm. all, right. you know, working out this relationship life together. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be as clear um, as we want it to be. We're all going to make mistakes. And right. so broken people are just going to continue to have broken behaviors that impact other people. And then they wake up or walk through those same behaviors. But um, there's that. Mm -hmm. It's just like, and then there's the whole, we were also created to buy a creator who needs us, not needs us, who wants us to need him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we all have this innate desire to be, 
in relationship in a relationship with someone where we need complete dependence. Mm. Yeah. And we can find that in our parents, in our spouses, in our friends, mm-hmm. um, when ultimately that total surrender and dependence is to be for him and him alone, you know, for mm-hmm. Christ. But um, so there's kind of the heavenly answer and then mm-hmm. the today's answer. I think what's hard too <laughs> is when enmeshment means meets biblical knowledge. Yeah. Where it's like, well, you're supposed to honor your mother and father. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do this for me. You're not going to—that's hard. And and I think that's something—I think it's very real. I mean, I, I think the more you talk to people in the church, it's like, oh, my parents love Jesus, or they know the Bible, and I can't reconcile this verse, or I can't—how can I say no? Am I not honoring? Um, so that's, too, I think where you have to— Right. Identify where maybe something is has a motive of control versus of You love. should never be, yeah, you should never be motivated out of fear or control or manipulation. Definitely always out of love. So anytime, like, I mean, man, it's hard when you know the Bible and you want to explain Scripture to your kids and how to behave that mm-hmm. way. And you can do that in a way that is controlling to get the byproduct you want. Yeah. You know, but if that's not the correct way. If it's more of a, hey, or let's explain this topic, this conversation, yeah. this verse, what it means, <clears throat> um, and do something out of a heart of love, you know, that has to be foundational. So what is triangulation? <laughs> you got two minutes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh my uh, triangulation. Is we can try hard. continue it. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, two minutes to explain triangulation. Well, 250. <laughs> You got two minutes, so you have to leave. (laughs) Um, Okay, triangulation is— Do you want me to read the definition I Googled and go off it? Do do that first, and then we'll explain. What is triangulation? Triangulation is when a toxic or manipulative person, often a person with strong narcissistic traits, brings a third person into the relationship in order to remain in control. There will be limited or no communication between the two triangulated individuals, except through the manipulator. That is a lot more specific than I thought it was going to be. Okay, it's very, yeah, very specific. Yeah, that was very specific. Um, Gosh. Triangulation looks like I am in my marriage, right? I I have a spouse, I have a husband, but I also have a best friend. And um, when I have a bad day, I am going to decide— uh, who I'm going to get the response I want um, mm. from either person. So mm. uh, if I know that I'm going to get a pity from my husband, um, I'll go to him. But if I am going to get pity from my friend or want to complain about my marriage, I'll go to her. Mm. Um, it can play between parents and children. Or to my eldest child. Yeah, or I'm going to complain. more emotionally connected than my— can you husband? Can yeah. you pretty Wife. confidently mm-hmm. say if a parent is going to one of their children to talk about their spouse, that is going to be a form of triangulation? One hundred percent. Yeah, in a way that's demeaning to the spouse. If I'm if I'm yeah. talking, you know, oh, guess what we're going to do for Dad's them. birthday? Well, right. Well, it's so different. Or like, I'm sad your Confide. dad did this, or I'm sad yes. your mom did this. One hundred percent. You should never allow any other person to 
You should never pour your emotions out on a person that isn't responsible to help you process those emotions. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm angry with my husband, he's the one to help me process that anger because it's with him. And has the power to change. And has the power to change. Mm -hmm. I think that helps back to the boundaries if you're, so as a child, it's an appropriate boundary. If a parent comes to you, you can have a line, whether if, let's say if my, if a dad comes to you to talk about your mom, hey, I'm not going to talk to you about mom, just as I would not talk to mom about you. And if it's your mom and vice versa, have the same line for any parent. It is 2.52. I do not want to make you wait. Yes. I, I just wanted to keep an eye on that. Thank you. Think, Alicia, thank you for making yeah. the time in your super busy schedule and no, decently short great. notice. I'm glad I got to do it. This is great. It is on Alicia's her birthday. birthday. <laughs> she accommodated yeah. this on her birthday. How old are you? 35. So much wisdom. Just at getting 35. started. As Steven said this morning, halfway to 70 days. <laughs> <laughs> what a Thanks guy. for that. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I love it. Thanks, love Alicia. you. I think <clears throat> I think one just parallel is if you got home every day and you took off your shoe and there was blood in the bottom of your shoe, you'd be like, I have to figure out what's wrong, right? Yeah. And the next day you came home Sometimes and there's- Sometimes I wait in anticipation to see where you're going. I am building it up a little pictures. bit. Yep. And the next day you did the same thing and there was blood in the bottom of your shoe. You would be doing everything possible to figure out why there was blood in your shoe. And I think we feel shame sometimes over like, oh, am I enmeshed? Or like, do I have triangulation going on? And the reason I think we do it is out of our woundedness. Like there's somewhere, there's a need or there's a bleeding. Whether you know it or not. Whether you know it or not. And it's okay to admit like I'm bleeding and that's causing me to cling or become codependent or to Mm -hmm. reach for relationships in the wrong places and that's not condemning. That's go back and find out where you're bleeding. Yeah, and there's hope. There is. There mm-hmm. are ways forward. There are like the the can be bad part of culture today is there's so much information. But the beautiful part is there is so much information to help so you grow in this. If you can take it and be moldable, teachable, humble enough to apply it, because I think that's how any one person, every single person, has something that they need to heal and overcome yeah. and grow in every person. Like that's like us. Like even I think all these things we talk about, we are so almost probably hyper aware with our children at three, five and seven of that stuff. Like I think one time I was talking to Avery about you or something like, oh, is daddy sad or different things? And we were talking and I was like, oh, am I triangulating my child? Like I'm like nervous, well, but, but I, I think, think you're accountable yeah. to what you know though. And you're accountable to like how you heal. So, but and I don't the, think the, the waywardness of the heart has a tendency to say, when I don't get what I want from where I'm supposed to get it, I'm going to share my heart until I find somewhere that gives me what I need. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. whether that's from the Lord or from a spouse or, you know, like whatever it is. And so, yeah. And if you're in relationship with somebody who is, exhibiting these behaviors like that one description of manipulative narcissistic like that one i realized was an article defining triangulation when when it comes to specifically narcissists and i I should have read that yeah yeah yeah, um but well but but it's also grace for like okay that person is bleeding so you can have compassion for them that doesn't mean that you just let anything happen that they want to happen but you can have a heart of honor Mm -hmm. and compassion Mm -hmm. knowing like oh there's a something happened in their life. Right. That's so true. 
Um, I know you have a, an appointment. You're about to, to be doing to. this podcast. I on am your about own to be doing this podcast on my own. We're going to call in one of the production team. We will. I'll make to. you guys come sit with me. <laughs> um, gosh, I want to go to another one quick one, but I don't know. There was one about, um, I'll let you pick it, but what? There was one about food, like our relationship with food. Yeah. So I'm going to read off a couple of the questions to Actually, give you a little taste I, of what could and come. And then can you close with this one? Sure. How do you find a good mentor? Because maybe somebody's walking through Close with through that these. one or yeah, cover can, that one? I think cl- cover and close with that oh, one today okay. because I think that could help this whole conversation. Right. Yeah. If you're walking through boundary issues or you're wondering, you know, how do I resolve some of these things? Like, where do I look for the right people to speak into it? We've reached out to people in our lives at times to say like, hey, help us become better parents. Yeah, we have like, certain people. It's like, I like I need you to speak in and hold me accountable to my parenting. Um, I need somewhere safe to grow in that. I, we have people where it's, it's, hey, we need, you know, the context of marriage. Like we mm-hmm. see your life, look up to you. The, and if anyone's mentoring you, they should have the life experience to be able to mentor you. Um, the best mentors in my mind that I've experienced too are very humble ones that are like, man, I just really hope I have something to offer you. And then every single time you leave their presence, you're like, mind is blown. And they're mm-hmm. just like, oh, I just hope I have something. Like that's, those are the best mentors, like the most humble but I do think mentorship should be a mutual thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like, oh, I find a mentor and I leech on. Like, it's no, it should be hopefully you guys even just get along personality-wise. I do think I've, and I know we talked about this, like just having visibility and platform get a decent amount of comments. Or I know I do requests of like, I want you to be my mentor. And some of these people like don't even know my personality. And my personality sometimes is non-conducive to a mentoring relationship. Yeah. Because I'm not a super um, soft-spoken, tender. I can be at times, but it is a harnessing of the, like the Holy Spirit must exercise for that to happen in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, so I think too, sometimes we can just base off of visibility of someone and ask them to be a mentor. So like- yeah. I was thinking about that very topic because I met Tim Tebow this year and it's like, that's what probably the person with the biggest platform that maybe I've ever met in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, like, should I ask him to be my mentor because of, you know, like clearly he has Did something. Did you think that? No. Oh. <laughs> but I'm trying, I'm trying to give a parallel. I was like, interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to give a parallel of like, it shouldn't be based off visibility. Yes. It should be based off of like, who is in the space that I need to go to next and owning that space? And how do I, and can I invite them into my life? I, there's another person and that trust I- trust that the Lord will will bring a connection with, of yeah. that mentor to that person. So I think the people that I do mentor, I usually have like a first initial meeting and it's like, what do you want to meet about? Hey, mm-hmm. I think if you're seeking a mentor, be open to terms on it, like mm-hmm. six months. Because some people like you just want, Okay. You're looking for a spiritual parent that to be with you. It's two fifty nine. Yeah. So when you approach mentor. a mentor, a mentor, I'm just you... here to make sure everyone gets where they need to be. <laughs> Real quick, when you approach a mentor, you should approach them. They're busier than you are. You should promise that you're going to bring questions to every meeting. You're going to show up to every. You control the content. Every every conversation on time, and you should let them know, hey, I would love to do this once a month, but if that doesn't work for you, I'm. I, we can do less. I would love to just, if I can fit into your schedule in whatever way works for you, I would love to do that. But I also think like Janae said, you should approach somebody who's in the space that you need to be in, not just shooting the moon. I remember there's a person that I really was like, I should ask them to mentor me. And then I was literally in a session they were teaching and they said, you don't need a mentor. You need not to me directly, but to the group, you need more time with the Holy Spirit. 
And I was like, that's God's no, I'm not going to ask that person, you know, Mm -hmm. and just figuring out like, no, who's in the next space that I want to grow into. Yeah. And I think too, we can cross muddle like the lines of mentorship and discipleship, you know, where like sometimes there's like actual mentors, like a business mentor. And it's like, you're not around scripture, but like someone discipling you, hopefully if you're a Christian and you're mentoring, it's going to be based on biblical values. But um, so I think too, like try to figure out for sure, know what you're looking for. So that's always my first question. Like, what are you looking for? What do you want to get out of this? And if yeah. it's like, I just want someone to talk to you. It's like, well, you need a counselor. Yeah. You know? Because I, I think a mentor is asking like, who can I reproduce my calling in my life in? Right. More than just like, who's it willing, usually, yeah. you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, yeah. So it has and to I be think, a similarity of spirit. And I know there's some people too that have a disagreeing view than what you said of like, no, you need to approach your mentor. There's some that say, trust God to highlight a mentor, to highlight in their mind to approach you. And sometimes there is that where someone hey, comes and says, that, you follow me, Yeah, you which can, may happen. That's happened to me. Right. Um, but I would say it's more rare than me asking somebody. It, so I'm saying, yeah, it could go both ways. Oh, for sure. But I would say rule And if of you thumbs, pray about it, it could go anyway. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that answered it, but so how to find a good mentor. And like, it's okay if you have like one mentor meeting to feel it out and you're like, oh man, our personalities don't even... Mm. mesh at all. I actually was counseled that way of like, if you're ever going to have somebody mentor, you have an introductory conversation and make sure that. Yep. And I didn't listen and I invited somebody in and it, it wasn't a fit. Interesting. And then you're in a different situation of trying right, to figure exactly. out how to that's hard. say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good question. So just give you a little, wet your appetite for what will continue. Um, this is the last episode of season four. Woo. And, um, a fun change that's coming is we aren't going to do seasons anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we come back, it's just going to be moving to twice a month rather than weekly. And weekly with long breaks. In what? between weekly, weekly with like, every, it's every no, it used to be weekly, but with longer oh, breaks sorry. in between okay, yes. seasons. We but now it's just going to be a consistent rhythm. Yeah. Um, with yeah, not seasons and just taking it episode by episode. And I'm just excited to see the structure change and what, yeah, what that it's looks like, but wanted to warn you. But some of the other questions that we will get to probably the first next episode will be um, Q&A, uh, like a workplace uh, question. I manage a clinic and coworkers can come and go. How do you create depth in relationships specifically in the workplace? Mm-hmm. Question. I really wanted to dig into this question. Um, are we ever in relationships for bringing someone closer to Christ dating relationship? Uh, go to church and Bible study together, but he doesn't push me closer to Christ. How do I honor this in a way where I respect where he is in his faith? So um, that is a really great question. Can't wait to get into that. And then a finance question. How do I give back to the Lord? I think they're talking about the tithe when I am living paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. If you are, if that is your immediate need, please go listen to the Banta finance uh, with the Bantas. Andrew Carmen Banta. Yes, finance episode would hit a little bit of it. There was one question we didn't quite know what it meant. I want to call out the person that did it, but it just said disruption and the future of the church. So maybe we'll just take that where we think it should go. I'll call it out. It was Pastor Terry Berkman. (laughs) And I think he's just- He also wrote a question about (laughs) our relationship with aliens. But but he put a winky face. (laughs) He He was was just messing. He was kidding. No, but he obviously speaks a lot into the future of the church and and we're leaders. And so that is a- that we should have on him. this 
why have we not done that? I don't know. Well, he's a very busy person. Um, and then this question, what are parameters of a healthy relationship with food? And mm-hmm. if you wrote that question in the meantime, until the next episode, which might be in a couple months um, or a month, Made to Crave by Lisa Turkhurst. We're just promoting Lisa Turkhurst mm-hmm. this episode. But that book is so good. It's an old one, but it's very, very good when yeah. it comes to that topic. Uh, I think those are all the ones. Oh, when is it? We missed this one, but we didn't really touch on it. But when is it biblically right to end a relationship with a family member? Yeah. That will be an entire episode. Yeah. And need qualified individuals. So we there's love the you Q&A. All. We love you yeah. all. Um, thanks for listening. Subscribe and rate the podcast. If you haven't figured it out yet, this podcast was recorded on Alicia's birthday between two and three o'clock when we had other appointments coming up. <laughs> so love you guys. Thanks for joining us for season four and we'll see you when the next the episode year. comes out in the new year.